What's up, guys? This episode is brought to you by our sponsors, Carnivore Shred. Uh, Carnivore Shred is a two-in-one thermogenic protein product. This thing is setting the world on fire. My man Roger's been on it for a couple weeks. Tell me a little bit about it, Roger. A couple weeks now. Like Frankie said, I've been doing it for a couple weeks. Definitely the two-in-one uh, protein uh, thermogenic powder is definitely giving me results. Uh, like I said, I've been on it for a few weeks now. As a matter of fact, I just tried on Frankie's T-shirt, and it actually damn near fit me. Listen, I'm taking the carnivore protein, so my mediums are not like regular mediums. Mediums. Listen, carnivore shred is a fat-burning, muscle-building uh, uh, solution featuring the power of carnivore beef protein isolate. Guys, this is delicious. Gets the, gets the job done. Check it out. Real show. Here we go. Real show. Here we go. You know that it's gotta be that time, so this is what we chant. What keeps on getting them all amped in advance? Come on. You and I rocking out with Iron Man FE. You get the general's point of view on top of Roger's rants. Whenever tapping out, we're putting the most minutes in. You already know what that's about. You know that win is win. Crush whatever's on task. Check the podcast. It's the champ and the tramp. Let the ball blast. All right, I think we're ready to go. You want yeah. to rip us off, yeah. Frankie? Yeah, Chris Bell in the house, my man. Bigger, faster, stronger, prescription, th- everything. Everybody, you know this guy. I first got introduced to you in Ro- when you were on Rogan, I, I think probably you were on a couple times, but one of yeah. the times a while back, and uh, and obviously, you know, saw saw a couple of your documentaries, but uh, good to have you. Me Thank and Roger, you. obviously big fans of your work, and uh, I hear you got some new stuff coming up, so it's good to talk to you, see what you, see what you got coming. Yeah, man, I'm a big fan of you guys too, man. Uh, Frankie, I've watched so many of your classic fights, man, and I just I love UFC. I love everything about it. I've loved it since uh, the very first UFC one. I was around for that, so yeah. I remember watching it all the way back in the day. But like watching you come up and all the stuff you've done has been really impressive and just you know it's just awesome to watch, man. No, thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I had it was it was a blast. Yeah, now I'm retired and I get to watch the next next generation get it done. Yeah, are you coaching now or something, or what are you doing uh, now? I help guys. I help guys out. I'm I'm uh, actually looking to open a uh, location here in my hometown. Uh, uh, finally, open up my own school. Yeah, um, yeah. But I'm I'm still in the gym training with guys. I was you know getting punched in the face a little bit this morning. <laughs> yeah, it's good for you. <laughs> yeah, you know it's been like 15 years since I made uh, bigger, stronger, faster. Like time flies by, you know. And wow. I made that film, and it was basically about you know my family and and our history with uh, anabolic steroids, and you know are they good for you? Are they bad for you? They're going to kill you and kind of thing like that and um sort of came out the other end of it seeing that like hey maybe these performance enhancing drugs aren't as crazy as we think and maybe there's some applications for them that you know we could use and i sort of came out on you know the sort of the side of like hey maybe these things could actually be helpful and maybe it's not that bad right mm-hmm. but now that we're 15 years later i think we kind of got ourselves into a mess i see a lot of bodybuilders dying young i see a lot yeah. of people um you know, juicing up at a young age and and basically not having testosterone for the rest of their life because they don't know what they're doing. I see 14-year-old kids buying SARMs off the internet and peptides and all these things. And it's just sort of run roughshod lately. So basically what I'm doing now is I'm just starting on a new documentary that's sort of, I wouldn't call it a sequel, but I would call it sort of a retelling of Bigger, Stronger, Faster in the modern era. So Mm. basically kind of doing a film, I think we're going to call it Better, Stronger, Faster. Uh, The idea that it's an evolution from what I did in the first one, and it'll sort of feature a lot of these new interesting problems that we have nowadays. Well, so what do you think about the whole peptide market? That's so that's kind of new to this industry, I guess. 
it's all kind of primitive. You know, I've used um, steroids, I've used SARMs, I've used peptides and, you know, nothing, what I've actually have realized, like the number one thing is like, nothing's magic. Nothing's going to make you Frankie Edgar. You know what I mean? Like mm. <laughs> nothing's going to make you fight better. Like it, it might help, you know, the, the things that go into fighting, but like what I've learned over, over time is that, you know, these, these drugs can be very useful, I think at decent dosages, but I find that just way too many athletes and way too many people take way too much of these things. And the dosages have like since gone through the roof since like, you know, I was younger and I just see people on higher and higher dosages of drugs doing really bad things to their body at a young age, you know? And so I, I'm kind of like against that and want to sort of speak out and talk to people about doing these things in a reasonable fashion and doing things, uh, doing a lot of the stuff with a doctor. But the problem that we find is that, you know, you have 21 year old kids that want to get on steroids mm -hmm. and there's no way that they're going to go to a doctor and a doctor is going to actually like want to give it to them. So this problem is going to exist for quite a long time, I think. Yeah, I would agree with that. You guys, you got young guys like uh, Dallas McCarver, for example, that, yeah. you know, I mean, just they said his autopsy when they did it, he was just like what he had in him was just incredible doses. His testosterone level was yeah. 55,000 and a normal exactly. level, yeah. like a yeah. good level is a thousand, you know, right. 800 is probably <laughs> right. more of a normal level, 700, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Guys get, you know, you, uh, I'll use a guy, I'm not picking on him anyway, but the, the mutant, right? Nick Walker, he's from New Jersey. Yeah. You look at him just a few years ago and he's, he's nothing in comparison to what he is now. Yeah. And that, I mean, it, it has to come with incredible high levels of, of anabolics. I mean, it has to. And I wonder if, if, you know, Nick weighs that all out and, you know, I mean that potentially, like you said, you could ruin your testosterone yeah. level for it's the rest of your life. And and the worst case scenario is kill you, you know. So your heart yeah. essentially explodes, you know. It's hard because you only have one life, right? And if you're like you want to be the world champion, the Mister Olympia, you only got one That's one right. shot at that shot's now. So do you take it or do you just like leave it on the table? Right. And I think that's where they they get into these quandaries, you know, with steroids. Yeah. But I, I know, like, uh, you don't have. I mean, you don't. I guess there's really don't have the longevity test to see, you know, you know, long term effects and, and sure. whatnot. But you kind of do now a little bit. I mean, Arnold's seventy something years old, right? Is sure. that true? He takes the dialysis a couple times a week. Is that a, is that a, or is that I've, you know? Somewhere? I've heard everybody say that for years, and I've just never seen any proof of it. So I would probably say probably no. It's probably a rumor. Right. Uh, he seems to be fairly healthy to me. Yeah. Um, I think that if you look at the old school bodybuilders they seem to have lived longer lives. Like a lot of these guys are passing away now, but they're like in their eighties, which is kind of mm. normal. Like that's kind of a normal, right, right. you know, lifespan. Like Ed Corney just passed away recently. He was 85 and Franco Colombo passed away at like 82. And that seems to be like a pretty yeah. normal age for right. somebody to die at. Um, but now we're seeing, you know, 35 bodybuilders in the past two or three years die under the age of 50, you know, like it's become like pro wrestling. And everybody says, well, it's because of the steroids, blah, blah. And I, I think it actually has very little to do with actual anabolic steroids. What I think it has to do is a lot of the auxiliary drugs that people use. Mm. They use a lot of diuretics. They use a lot of um, just other drugs, including uh, recreational drugs and painkillers as well. Mm. Just like in pro wrestling that my, you know, my brother was in the WWE for years and basically did pills every time he wrestled, you know, like that was just yeah. part of the part of the job you show up and and he would he would bring the pills he'd be the one that would bring them for all the other guys because my brother was one of the sort of lower level guys trying to get to the top and when your lower level guy getting to the top you bring drugs for the other wrestlers and that's just how sure. it was and a lot of that has changed thankfully in wwe you know vince mcmahon has sort of since gotten rid of that sort of um environment ever since uh chris benoit 
you know, he killed his whole family, which was insane. Mm -hmm. And after that happened, Vince just said, hey, man, no more, no more juice. And I know that that sounds silly. I'm sure there's been guys that have been on a lot of steroids since then. But what they did do is initiated some sort of test and some sort of mm -hmm. way of regulating it so that they, they haven't really had any deaths since they installed all Done that, that, you know. But do you think the Chris Benoit, I mean, steroids played a part in that? There's, there's no, talks know, that, yeah, TBI, right? I mean, there's a lot yeah, of that. Or CTE. Sure, yeah. CTE, like, yeah. I don't, you know, there's a lot of people that take a lot of steroids and they don't kill their family, you know? Right, and right. then there's, you know, like, if you were to look at, like, they take um, 100 cases of people that have killed their family. How many of the people were on steroids? Probably mm. just Chris Benoit, you know? Yeah, so I don't think steroids cause it. It could exacerbate him being... Uh, you know, in some sort of mental state that wasn't mm. wasn't good, but I don't I don't think that steroids would actually ever actually do that to somebody. Now there is a drug called trenbolone. I'm sure you guys are mm. have heard of that. Trenbolone is interesting because if you watch more plates, more dates, he has enough stories on there that would make you believe that trenbolone might be able to do that to somebody. You know, yeah, so I, yeah. I don't know if Chris Benoit was on trenbolone. I wouldn't blame it on that. But like like I said, there are that drug trenbolone is the strongest drug in the on the market pretty much and it's the one that all the kids seek out because they all joke about it on instagram and they don't yeah. know how serious and dangerous it really can be right and i'd what say out of all the steroids that's that's the only one i'd say don't take you yeah. know really it's the only one i say hey skip the trend i don't think you need it that was that was what that was intended for cattle right as as a lot of anabolics are but yeah. right it had, it had some placement in in livestock i believe correct yeah they they trend would have these big um trend balloon pellets and they would inject them into the cow and then they would oh. dissolve inside the cow and then what people would do they would go to a feed store and they would buy a bunch of um trend balloon for their cow right and they'd bring it home and they'd crush it up and they'd mix it with oil and inject it which is just insane but people used to do that all the time mm -hmm. damn that's wild but don't, yeah. like, you know don't they say uh i think they give testosterone to people that have head trauma or and they're depressed and they say sometimes it's because their hormone levels are messed yeah. up and it makes them better you know well, absolutely I mean? it makes them a, a better person not not one that wants to murder their family you know what i mean absolutely so, if you look at um human growth hormone right um they sh they've shown major improvements in people's brain function especially like um for what you do you know for like fighting yeah. and stuff like that right they showed um that you know, both hyperbaric chambers and testosterone and growth hormone can help uh, people that have strokes or people that have had head trauma. Um, they can help like repair your brain. So growth yeah. hormone, you know, if you look at the NFL, you get an on the job injury or the UFC, for example, you get an on the job injury because you got hit in the head, but you're not allowed to use the drug that's going to help you when you get hit in the head. It doesn't mm -hmm. make any sense. Like, right. There's no reason why doctors shouldn't be able to administer these things. And I know like they have the USADA testing pool and all that stuff like that right. but i think there needs to be ways for athletes to to get around some of this stuff to use some of the stuff therapeutically as well if they actually really need it because i think you're at a disadvantage if you're not using anything and your body actually needs it i think that's what connor's doing right now actually but yeah you know hey he's very smart man yeah yeah he's i mean dude, dude. he got his leg broken half yeah, I think geez. that's a that's a app, you know, an appropriate time. But to, he just to he just did an interview that says he's going to fight uh, Chandler in December. But how? I mean, he he has to be in the pool for six months, right? There's no nah, way. No. Listen, I'm sure no. they'll fix it. Connor, Connor. Yeah, 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 they'll figure out <laughs> a way. From, that is true. Uh, for real, yeah. Connor. Yeah. You know, I um, had double hip replacement surgery when I was 35. I had genetic arthritis. Oh, wow. And um, it's something I dealt with my whole life since I was a little kid. And I went in for the surgery. And they completely like saw through your femur bone and they put a fake hip mm. on there and then they sew you back up basically. And they did that on, on both sides. At and the same time? 
Yeah, they did it at the same oh, time. Wow. Yeah. And it was brutal. It's the craziest thing I ever went through. So they replaced both of my hips. And then um, afterwards, I was asking the doctor, hey, sh what should I take to recover? And he's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, you know, should I take testosterone? Should I take growth hormone? And I, before this, I had never been like a steroid guy. My brothers were into steroids, but like I was a power lifter and I didn't think I needed them. So I never really used them. So it comes along that I get this hip surgery and my doctor says, don't use testosterone. But then I talked to other doctors because I had just made bigger, stronger, faster. And the doctors I talked to in bigger, stronger, faster guys like Dr. Mark Gordon, he mm. said, no, you definitely need to be on growth hormone. And you definitely need mm. to be on testosterone because that's, what's going to regrow your bone. Wow. And so I went back to my regular doctor that did the surgery after three months. And he said, I should be the poster boy for bone regrowth. And he said, what did you do? He's like, I've never seen bone grow back this fast in a human being. And I said, well, wow. I did exactly what you told me not to do. I took growth hormone and <laughs> testosterone. And uh, he was just shocked. And now he recommends it to his patients. You know, oh, and wow. I think that's hey, a that's interesting, least... interesting way to look at things, you know? Yeah, most doctors don't, they, they won't go back in their work, you know? The, the, yeah. They don't yeah, grow very well. Yeah, yeah. Grow. yeah exactly. To, to me, there's so many, <clears throat> there's so many different things out there that can help people and, and, just aid people in in their everyday life and um a lot of these things like people don't know about or they're made illegal or they're kept from us you know like i was in chronic pain for years and i found a plant called kratom have you guys ever heard of kratom yeah yeah so mm -hmm. and i know people do get addicted to it and they do have problems with it but for me it was a miracle for me it was like what got me back into the gym what made me able to like work out again and lift again what gave me uh, focus and and just sort of made me happy again and made me feel normal after I had this crazy surgery and I was addicted to opioids for like eight years. Mm -hmm. And so after that eight years, when I got off the opioids, I was still in pain. So I needed something to kill the pain that wasn't so crazy, highly addictive, that wasn't going to kill me. And I know that Kratom's not going to result in death, no matter how much I take. Mm -hmm. So I did that for a couple of years, but then I also found a drug. Have you guys ever heard of a drug called Ibogaine? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've I think heard of Ibogaine, it. yeah. it's, it's one of the most incredible things I've ever heard of. It's They call it the alien molecule, and it's a tree bark from Africa. It's from Gabon, Africa, mm -hmm. and it's a tree bark that they noticed that when elephants eat it, they'll walk backwards. They act really weird. They're, they're basically tripping, and Ibogaine will reverse any addiction in about 24 hours, 24 to 36 hours. And when I say it reverses addiction, it is crazy. Like I woke up from an Ibogaine trip and like threw my chewing tobacco in the garbage and hadn't touched it since. And so I chewed for like 30 years, you know? Wow. Um, but I also had like a lot of other problems. Ibogaine also helps immensely with chronic pain because it potentiates your opioid system in your body. So I went into this in severe chronic pain in my whole body, came out of it with no pain in my body for six months. Um, you know, Todd Duffy, the UFC fighter, sure, yeah. I got, yeah, I got him using it a little bit for, for his pain. He loves it. There's a, so, there's just a bunch of people I've gotten where I've talked to people about this and sort of spread the word of Ibogaine for like pain relief. And I think there's a lot of things that are out there like that, that people just don't know about and the government keeps them illegal you know so the ibogaine real, sorry, real quick the ibogaine that's you trip on it again right yeah yeah it's, but now it's, it's like a two hour two day trip or some shit very like similar that? to an ayahuasca trip i would say okay, I've, I've done that i've done ayahuasca yeah. before yeah so um, this is interesting like if you have any weird like addictions in your life or things that you do way too much when you come mm. out of the ibogaine experience you just don't crave anything it's a now, really weird but feeling. do you have to go you go in with that intention when you're yeah like, when you're taking it or, yeah. Or, so I, when I first did it, I actually, uh, just to be honest, I did it illegally here in Sacramento in a hotel. Um, mm -hmm. I was at my wits end. I was actually like going through some really severe depression 
And it was the day before the world shut down for the pandemic. I had this dude fly out here from Boston and treat me with Ibogaine. And then the world completely shut down. So it was really bizarre because when I came out of my trip, then for like 12 weeks, it was like you couldn't go anywhere or do anything. Mm. So it was really bizarre because it was like I felt like I was living in this like uh, I am legend type of world where I was the only one on earth kind of feeling. (laughs) But when you come out of it and you don't crave anything and you've been an addict your whole life, you've just like I get addicted to every little thing I do. And so when I came out of this Ibogaine experience, it was just amazing to feel like I had freedom, you know, Mm. Wow. Fresh start. Yeah, that's cool. We actually, I have a friend. We actually had him on. We interviewed him um, who had done rehab here in the States, you know, covered by insurance. The whole thing's a yeah. little bit of a scam. But anyway, had done traditional rehab, let's call it, here in the States. And I think he'd done it like 10 times, right? Mm-hmm. And he would get, he would get, you know, better for a little bit. And he ended up, I, I don't know what the deal was, whether his insurance wouldn't cover it anymore. He ended up flying to Mexico and doing the eyeball game down there. And he, yeah. he told about you know his experience here on the show. It's it's it was pretty crazy experience. But uh he he I mean, listen, I don't know if he's gonna be good for the rest of his life, but that yeah. got him better. And like you said, it kind of gave him a clean slate. And um he talked about the experience here, it was really interesting. But again, not legal here in the US to do, it, you know. Now, now with most people, an addiction, if you could just pull them away from the addiction for five minutes, you can get them to stop. You know, I think that's the, and that's what eyeball gain does. It gives you not five minutes, but if you can get somebody out of their addiction for 30 days, the chance of them succeeding is really, really good. Yeah. Now, when you said like, uh, Todd was Duffy was using it for pain, like he would trip for like how long? So the way Todd was using it, Todd's an interesting dude, man. I talked to him a lot about psychedelics and mushrooms and stuff like that. And he's used a lot of this stuff to treat his pain. And what he would do is he would microdose ibogaine. So he would take like little amounts so that you don't even, he wouldn't even really feel it, but his body, he wouldn't feel pain like all day. He'd wow. say he took it. Wow. So he was kind of experimenting with it in a little bit of a, of a different way than, than I did it. He was more microdosing it. And I, I don't think he's ever done the full blast dose. Cause when you do the full blast dose, it's, it's literally yeah. like a life changing oh, yeah. spiritual experience. It's sort of like, um, you know, I went into it going like, I don't know if I believe in God. And then you come out of it like, I believe in God. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. it's a weird so, feeling, so you, man. You kind of, uh, I guess I've done DMT, but I never got blasted off like everybody talks about. When you get yeah. it all the way in there. But isn't that what they say in those moments? Like you're you're, you're kind of speaking to God or talking yeah. to a deity in a, in a way? Exactly. Right? No, so it's um, kind of the same what I began? Yeah, the guy that introduced us, Jason, I've done DMT with him. <laughs> what was amazing is I was actually uh, oh, out. Yeah. <laughs> Jason, I was out yeah. I was out in New Jersey and he's just a guy that I know from like Instagram. He's just cool. He's just a, been a friend of mine from Instagram yeah. and stuff. And he's like, Hey man, I'm like right down the street from you. Like, why don't I come hang out? And so he came and hung out with me and he brought some DMT. And we did it on the back porch of this house that we, we rented. And I was like, My parents were my dad and my brother were inside and I was like out on the back patio doing dmt and jason convinced me hey it'll only take 15 minutes right don't worry about it it was the craziest experience i had all these crazy like visuals and you know then you just come right out of it and you're like oh wow that was really weird you know it was yeah. a, just a, i don't know what i got out of it though you yeah, know with yeah. other psychedelics i've gotten specific things out of it and i don't know mm. that much of what i got out of dmt but it definitely was interesting I feel like I'd done it, but I felt like I, you know, I got seen seen some geometrical shapes, but I never got like all the way where you know, yeah, the fucking pan. I think a panther's, you know, tapping you on the shoulder. Have you guys <laughs> never used, got there. <laughs> have you guys used psilocybin mushrooms or anything like that? Oh yeah, I've oh, done yeah. a few times, S- several times, several times. Yeah. yeah, they're they're interesting. I think they're different. Like um, 
it's it's fun to just use them and have fun, but it's also really interesting to really go in deep and explore your mind. And I have like a lot, you know, because I make films and stuff and I just have a lot of crazy thoughts in my head a lot. And by doing those psychedelics and like really diving into, you know, like what like what you're thinking and why you're thinking and stuff it's just really fascinating to me it's um i think it's steroids for the brain is what i tell people yeah you know it's yeah really it opens helping. up those pathways yeah I think the yeah. setting matters too right do you agree with that when you do yes. yeah absolutely i mean absolutely. i did, people I did it around at a party once and and i think that ruined it you know i, yeah, I don't I think, think you, you want to be yeah, yeah i don't want to do it at a party exactly. i just want to do it when you was know the first time i ever did it but you know, yeah. Andrew Huberman, he says that um, doing it with um, like an eye mask on, like they, they've shown that the results are like significantly better if somebody just like lays down and put in, puts an eye mask on compared to like being at a party. So really? what's what's an eye? Like, like, oh, just like just like, like an eye, just a, you're like a blindfold, you know, so yeah, you're like yeah. all black oh, wow. and you just kind of lay down and chill. And Didn't Rogan like, used I'm, to do it in like a hyperbaric chamber? No, no, the isolation tank. Oh, uh, isolation tank. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I yeah. think that's a pretty interesting idea. Yeah. I would love to do yeah. that because you're that literally be cool. floating. I mean, I mean it's you can't be... feel your body. I mean, right. even when you're when you're on a you know the mushrooms are hitting you really good. You're in a comfortable position, man. You kind of can't feel your body anyway. Yeah, yeah you, you know what's tank, interesting? That's gotta be awesome. What's interesting about mushrooms is like I'm not very mobile. Like I can't, I can't like move around that good because I had double hip replacement surgery, and so things really hurt a lot. And I always want to be more mobile. I always like want to try to get you know, try to move better and things like that. And what I find is that when I do a little bit of mushrooms, like one or two grams of mushrooms, I just get into this, like, I guess, flow state, you would call it. And I just feel mm. really good. And I can, I can sort of like stretch and move my body like I've never done before. And so I think that coming up uh, in the near future, we're going to have things where like, you'll go to get a massage and they'll like give you mushrooms first, you know, yeah. you'll go to, you'll go to do a workout and you'll take some sort of, you know, psilocybin thing before it to open up your, um, just open up your body you know yeah, I, nah. what, the the things i've felt from it and like i experiment with everything and i the things i felt with it are are massive massive improvements on like me just doing it on my own so i think it'll i think that'll catch on it seems like anything natural the government doesn't want to get behind though they just <laughs> they, they they just want the prescription you know chemically made drugs well, that's, they, yeah ibogaine is a drug that comes from uh, africa and you can just go pull it off a tree. You know, right. it's a tree bark in Africa. And so if big pharma can go out of business because somebody's got a tree bark that can get everybody off of opioids, mm. yeah, they, they don't want that. And that's, no, to me, that's crazy. Cause it's like, man, the amount of people that we could help with a drug like Ibogaine, you know, just even making people aware of it. Like one of the, one of the goals that I have is I've been on uh, Joe's podcast uh, several times and I want to get back on Rogan's podcast to talk about Ibogaine. Cause like, that's the place to go to get the word out to everybody, you know, and mm -hmm. he's talked about it several times, but I don't know if he's ever talked about it as in depth as like the stuff that I know about it and the things that I've studied about it. What is it? Um, we make uh, the the United States makes up five percent of the world's population, something like yeah. that. But we're responsible for seventy five percent of prescription usage. Do I have that? Yeah. Right? So it's crazy. It's even crazier. Seventy five percent of all prescriptions, but it's ninety percent of all opioids. That's so insane. are we just in more pain? Are we more sick than yeah. everybody? Are we just no, watching I, too many commercials? I feel like you know. I mean, like like everybody, where, where we grew up, it's an epidemic, you know. Mm -hmm. And you know, I don't have enough fingers and toes to count how many people I know that, you know, have, have died from from opioids. And uh, yeah, it's um, I can't believe uh, how rampant it is. You know, right. what I mean, even it's back just, in my little, you know, it's the down. saddest thing in the world. I don't know if you guys, uh, if you guys saw, there's a new show on Netflix called Painkiller, 
And, I, just, um, I Pete, just saw it pop up. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, Peter Berg directed it. I did a film with oh, Peter yeah, Berg. Yeah, yeah, I just see that. Um, Peter Berg and I are like friends from uh, Gold's Gym in Venice. He's an awesome dude. And I just I just really love him and I love what he does. And so watching this movie, uh, Painkiller, I mean, I, I was crying watching it, you know, because I went through this. I went through the opioid addiction. I Everything in those people's faces that are in that show were like, I'm like, I remember that. Like, I remember going through all this shit, you know. And um, just watching what the prescription drug companies have done to this country and how they've pillaged our country mm-hmm. and made us fatter, weaker, and sicker than ever is mm-hmm. incredible to me, you know? And like, we got ravaged. There's money in it. We got ravaged by a pandemic because we were metabolically unhealthy. 86% yeah. of the people in our country are what they call metabolically unfit, which means they're obese or overweight. And that's a problem because that affects our health. And the number one place it affected our health was in the pandemic, you know, like that's yeah. the number one place. And then like, if you look at all the people that died, there are all these people with comorbidities, right? It wasn't normal people dropping dead. It was like, these no. are people that were unhealthy. And so my, you know, one of my goals as a filmmaker is just like, how can I teach the world how to be more healthy and how can I do it in broad strokes that are really easy? You know, so for example, a couple of years ago, I went on uh, Rogan's podcast and I talked about the carnivore diet. Because it's something that I did that I got great results out of that I don't think is for everyone, but I do think that it's valuable to know about. And so, you know, I did it for a really long time. I actually still do it now because I get really good results from it. I feel really good. Um, I tend to be, you know, leaner. I've always had a problem like even being lean. I come from a fat family kind of. And so it's hard for us that, you know, to stay lean. And me and my brother, we work really hard at it. So it's, you know, the carnivore diet just makes things easier for me. So Jordan like, Peterson talks about that, right? Isn't hasn't Jordan Peterson done that? Yeah, he, yeah. yeah, and the whole like, idea. You know who did it really successfully? Is, uh, Chad Mendez. He did oh, it for really? uh, psoriasis, like which is like a skin. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, saw that. It's right. They yeah. say, well, for a lot of autoimmune, it's it's good, right? The the carnivore yeah. diet. And and that's what I say. Like, let's just get to know about things. And so because of the carnivore diet, um. I actually switched to a diet of like mostly meat and fruit. Cause I think that if you look at fruit and you take a look at like what fruit has in it, it's got fiber and it's got vitamin C. Those are the only two things that are missing on a carnivore diet really. So mm-hmm. you can get that from eating an apple, you know? Right. Um, I think that that's probably a more well-rounded diet for most people. And I even think including some vegetables in that is not a problem either. As long as your vegetables aren't a tool to get more, you know, vegetable oil in your mouth or yeah, salad yeah. dressing, you know, if you, yeah. If you stick with the with the healthy fats, you know. Yeah, get stay away from those seed oils. Yeah, I think the seed oils are terrible, man. Like I you know, there isn't a whole lot of proof. Like if you actually go through all the medical literature and you talk to like Dr. Lane Norton and stuff, they'll say there's not actually a lot of proof that these things are bad, but we kind of think they're bad, you know? I think that's the, the consensus is like there isn't a whole lot of proof that they're bad, but because of the way they make them and all these other things it's just like why not just get why not just get rid of them like one thing yeah, that we do they, know they originally were supposed to be like machine oil yeah lubricants yeah yeah, yeah so yeah. i don't know they and say it, go yeah, stick just, with like the the avocado oil and yeah uh, coconut you know, oil a little better off olive oil i have a theory that like i don't i have not used any oil in a long time and like i know avocado hey, oil no none of that i think oil's for your car you know mm. and, and what about butter people, you use butter i use a little bit of butter here's the reason oh. why i think oil is maybe not the greatest choice. Liquid fats seem to store as fat easier than than solid fats. So that's like one reason. Mm. But another reason is it's it's sort of like sugar. If you look at a sugar molecule, they they take a plant and they strip out all the fiber and all the good stuff for you. And they just give you the sugar and the sugar is like 
the bad part, you know, mm. the part that causes problems. And I think it's kind of the same with oil. You're only like, you're just taking out the fat, you're stripping out the fiber, you're stripping out other things that would be healthy in that plant. And then you're doing all these processes to it to make it. Now, I can't guarantee that seed oils are bad for you, but I can tell you I've cut them out of my diet and it's made a, a big difference in the way I feel, I think. So, you know, it's just up to people what they want to choose to get rid of and not get rid of in their own diets. I'm I'm not like a zealot in any in any way towards dietary recommendations. If somebody wants to do a vegan diet, I'm more than more than happy to tell them how to do it successfully, but I just mm. think it's a little harder, you know? Yeah, so right. I try not to get too like too much of a zealot on nutrition, but I do think that if you simply stick to what I've seen in the past seven years of studying nutrition, like pretty much every day, is that what we what we see as long as people don't get enough protein and they don't overeat, they're usually fine. You mm. know, so the the number one thing that we see in um in bodybuilding in the bodybuilding communities everyone's like how much protein i need do i need and we've all seemed to like settle on the fact like the only thing that we know for sure is that you need about a gram per pound of body weight to build muscle right mm -hmm. so you want to weigh 200 pounds and you got to eat 200 grams of protein pretty much everybody agrees on that like across mm -hmm. the board so that's like one great rule to follow and the other rule to follow is don't overeat you know, mm -hmm. it yeah. doesn't seem to matter whether or not you're on a low, a zero carb diet or a diet with 500 carbs, as long as the calories are matched yeah. and calories the proteins and matched, down, it's not going right? to matter at all. And I think yeah. people knowing, having information about nutrition rather than just saying you got to just eat meat or it's not going to work for mm -hmm. you. I don't think that helps people that much. So I like to explain things a little bit more thoroughly, you know. Don't you think more people are into nutrition? Well, I'm I'm in in the fitness industry, I guess, because yeah, you're the yeah. athletic industry. So of course, I, I I'm tuned in a whole bunch. My wife, most of my friends are because we're all kind of like minded people. But I feel like the 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 pandemic kind of did highlight everybody's health and how we're you know what we're intaking and and what kind of you know what, what what other choices we could do to you know live a healthy lifestyle yeah in a, in a way i think the pandemic was great for that like getting people to like to understand you know their health is really important but unfortunately before we found that out we lost a lot of people that were unhealthy mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. so well, not only that it was you weren't allowed to go to a gym you could go to a yeah. liquor store but couldn't go to a gym <laughs> yeah. it was there was the yeah. science behind that always baffles me but Oof. Yeah, there was a million, like, there was a gym actually over by you guys, because I remember I was in yeah. New Jersey yeah. um, for vacation, gym. but there was a gym, that, what is it called, Attilus. like Attilus? Yeah, 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 Ian Smith, he's a buddy of ours, he was on that the podcast. Great. Yeah. yeah, he he defied, defied uh, you know, the government mandates that. and tyranny, it was, it was cool. And then out here, Bradley Martin did that as well, he's a pretty big uh, fitness yep. influencer as well, and he right. sort of kept his gym open through the whole thing, and I just, I applaud those guys for doing that, because... Same. It's brutal. I mean, we, you know, my brother has a gym here and our gym is actually private and we had to shut down because people were calling the cops on us. Yeah, that's crazy, man. <laughs> you know, people call and say, oh, hey, there's somebody training in there. And it's like, what do you care? You know? Yeah. I, I'll, I, for me personally, I'll never be able to forget what those people did to people like us. You know what I mean? It's very, yeah. very vivid in my memory and I think always will be. But because, uh, you know, all that science apparently just went away now. So. Isn't it crazy? I mean, like the things that, I mean, if we've learned anything from this, it's like, you can't trust the science. You can't mm -hmm. trust the doctors. You can't trust, you know, exactly. it's like you have to really dig in and you have to really go find information for yourself because no one's going to point it out and give it to you. They're going to try to give you all the wrong things, you know, and try to tell you like, hey, you need to take this shot. And then we find out, well, the shot's not really doing anything. You know, it's like, it, I mean, to me, it's just madness. You know, it's like, this is uh, one of the worst 
health crisis we've ever been in as a country, I think, you know? I think right now we really need for people to like turn their diets around. And all we're told is to eat a plant-based diet and we're gonna have to eat bugs soon, you know? Yeah, get the... <laughs> and the, yeah. that's what people wanna tell us because like they think that that's gonna be healthier or that's gonna be better. And we just know for a fact that like, that's not the truth, you know? And a but lot that's, of these... Uh, that's what's so bad is like, I, you know, you, you said these doctors, like, I, how do you believe these doctors? I don't believe anybody anymore. I feel like orthopedics are only doctors I believe because they're mechanics. Yeah. I, I believe the mechanic working on my body, but... Other it's than that, the, the doctors that are real smart, they learn their own nutrition. So like Dr. Right. Sean Baker, he's kind of a guy that I look mm, up to a lot. Right. He's, kind he's of a, a carnivore uh, uh, guy, right? He's Mr. Carnivore. Yeah. He's yeah, kind right, of like a right. hero to me because I met Sean um, right after he was on Rogan. So like he was on Rogan and I just called him up and I said, hey, man, I saw you. I heard it on Rogan. I thought you were awesome. I didn't know him at all. He was really nice to me. And I said, hey, why don't you come to Sacramento, come to our gym and hang out with us? So he came and hung out with us and taught us all about the carnivore diet. And then like, as soon as he taught me about it, actually two weeks before he even came here to taught me about it, um, he put me on it just, you know, he, over the phone. And I said, okay, I'll do it for two weeks until you come up here. And then when you come up here, we'll podcast with you, you know, whatever. And, um, but I went, I went on it for two weeks and I didn't get off of it for like five years. Wow. You know, oh, so wow. like that five was, years. that was my experience where it was like, Hey man, this is pretty awesome. It's, um, you know, I was always kind of, if you go back and you watch bigger, stronger, faster, I was probably about 230 pounds. I was pretty fat. You know, mm. the first time I ever had abs was just doing a carnivore diet and literally just doing it straight. Like I never had abs in my whole life. I was always the short fat kid. And then all of a sudden, like you start doing carnivore and you start slicing up and people go like, what's going on, man? What are you doing? And then everybody wants to say that you're just on steroids. I'm like, no, I'm not. The funny thing is I'm not on steroids. I'm, I'm actually just eating meat. You know, and people uh, really can't believe the things that can happen to you when you just eat meat. And I think that's an interesting, interesting you, thing to put in front of people. Run down a, a uh, like a, what do you eat? A typical day of what you eat. So I actually, this is funny. I eat so much meat that I got a sponsor. So I have a sponsor called Certified Piedmontese Beef. And Certified Piedmontese Beef is from Piedmontese cattle that are from Italy. And so these cattle have about half the fat of any other cow. I'll actually send you some, send you guys both some. You'll love it. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. So this beef, it, what's, what's nice about it is if you, I'm imagining you guys probably don't eat full carnivore and probably eat more of a mixed diet. So when you eat more of a mixed diet, you know, you want steak that has less fat, not higher fat, you know? Right, so right. this is like a low fat steak that's more juicy and tender than any other steak you'll ever have. And it's incredible. So like, I think the one thing my, my brother and I really like to go out and teach people is if you want to have a good diet, make good food, learn how to cook, mm -hmm. you know? get these high quality meats, make these things, make them, make everything taste really good. You know, I make things like, um, I make this protein pudding, which is like just two scoops of my brother's, um, protein. And I use, um, uh, sugar-free jello pudding and skim milk. It's got no fat. It's about 400 calories and it's the thickest, most amazing pudding you'll ever have. If you can eat stuff like that all day, that tastes like ice cream, you know, yeah. that tastes like a giant steak, whatever, like you're never going to really want the junk food. Like I just never want the junk food anymore. Yeah, and so that's how I got my diet dialed in. Was like learning how to make things that taste awesome. What is your take on this lab-grown meat that I guess we're all about to? It's it's yeah, gonna be here soon, right? It's it's interesting because like if there was a way to make lab-grown meat and it was and like it actually turned out and it tasted good and whatever, I don't know what the problem is with that, but like I don't see it being able to happen. Like I just yeah, don't think right. I don't think it's gonna be able to happen. I think with 
you can't mess with mother nature. You can't really fool mother nature. And I think every time that they try to do it, there's unintended consequences. Like they made these beyond burgers, these impossible burgers. And after a while people realize, Oh, it's all canola oil, which right. is an engine lubricant, right? We just went yeah. over that. Um, and we, and people didn't want it, you know? And so the, the people start rejecting the beyond meat and they're starting to reject the impossible burger. And I think, the same thing's going to happen with this lab-grown meat unless the lab-grown meat is really good and it can sort of what from what i know now that no matter what from what i know they need to kill cows to make the lab-grown meat anyway because they need <laughs> um they need, that work? <laughs> they need cattle fetuses to make it what so they wow. need like they need to like take babies out of their mom before they're born and then use that like fluid in that sack in order to make the lab grown meat. So first of all, it's disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> and geez. second of all, like who knows what the unintended consequences are going to be of that? You know, we don't really know. But like I said, if it came out like normal meat and that's all it was, like maybe that would be interesting. But I, I just don't believe that you can make something out of nothing. Yeah. yeah. Anything created in the lab, I'm a little skeptical of. <laughs> Yeah, I am too. But at the same time, like I'll eat a protein bar and be like, "Oh, that tastes amazing," you know. So if Fair. it was like, if it was just like a little piece of meat like that, and it tasted like meat, I don't. Well, know. You can you can flip much. it over though and read the ingredients on the back, <laughs> and then decide for yourself. I don't know yeah. what you're going to be able to read with lab yeah, right? own meat. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's... It is interesting how they're really trying to get us to like eat bugs. You know, I don't know if you guys yeah. heard about that, but that's really like ramping up. And when you look at it, it's kind of stupid because you'd have to eat about a million crickets in order to equal like one cow. Yeah, you know, like you have to like have millions and millions of crickets to equal. So it's like the amount of um, I don't you know, I don't even know why they're doing all this. They're saying because it's it's fast, cheap and easy and that the global elites will be running. You know, it's like everything's now a conspiracy theory. So, yes, it's, those global it's those. elites will be eating real steak. And I don't, <laughs> know, they, eating crickets, really, sure. I don't know if they are or not. Who knows? Right. Because like yeah. everything's Alex Jones now. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything you watch. Hey, like listen, this shit, this shit he's been well, saying. Do you remember? He's been saying it's coming true. Be he had a take on the lab grown meat, too. Did he? Well, you yeah. remember when Alex Jones used to be crazy? Now Alex Jones is like normal. Like that's yeah, it. Yeah. You're like, oh, he's kind of right about that, you know? And I, <laughs> I used to think he was so crazy, but like that's how crazy our world is now. The it frogs really are is. turning gay, you know? It's the human version, <laughs> human version of the Simpsons. He's predicting stuff way before it happens. <laughs> it's yeah, it's insane, man. We just we live in a really crazy wild world right now, you know? Mm -hmm. Ned, do you have any interest in diving into like that world with the documentary? With which world? Like I'm saying, just the, the craziness of our, our, our just the current events. Oh, so the, yeah, like the um, the documentary that I'm going to do, Better, Stronger, Faster, is pretty much going to be about this health crisis that we're in. Mm. And I'm going to go talk to all these people, like Dr. Sean Baker, uh, Dr. Lane Norton, like these people that I know that know all about nutrition and have taught me nutrition. I listen to people, you know, go talk to people um, that are addressing all these subject matters. I mean, I think the um, the transgender argument with testosterone and hormones it, it becomes really interesting it's really layered it's really in depth it's kind of crazy you know um right now they're talking about making testosterone like you know legal over the counter and the reason that might happen is because of transgender people Jeez. because they're like i know hey, a lot know. of people like like that <laughs> yeah which is really weird though right like what so yeah. if i'm a man and i want to be more of a man right like i want to mm. like hey i'm a man but i got a shitty build i want to have a good build so i'm going to take testosterone you're not allowed to do that but if you're a woman and you're like but i'd rather be a man then you're allowed to do that that's yeah, really no, weird crazy. and to say that that's not weird is you know it, i just feel like it's it, we've we are in strange times as joe rogan says you yeah. know 
but even like just the fact that that men want to compete as women against real women. That's yeah, a that's problem. that's wild. I mean, we had a powerlifter here, Janae Croc. Just just happened, right? Well, we had a we had a, a powerlifter who used to be a guy with that deadlifted like eight hundred pounds, and um, and she now does jujitsu, but she will not train with any women because she's like, I'll hurt them, oh, you know. Wow. Because she used to so be she, a guy that deadlifts eight hundred pounds, yeah. so she's totally against, you the know, cross, the transgender yeah. in sports. Because she's like, I'll just destroy everybody. Like that would be too easy, you know. Yeah. And then wow. the people so, so want to go out she, there and beat up on these. She girls competes just crazy. against the dudes. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Well, that's I respect, I respect that's that. Respect. Right? It's kind of crazy. There was a yeah. there was a, a deadlift comp recently, a women's deadlift. Comp. I don't know where it was, but a uh, transgender athlete won that and blew I mean, it was like by 200 pounds. Was that the one or where the guy was faking it, or that one where a real trans athlete? No, this is a real trans. I know the one yeah. you're talking about. No, this okay. was a real trans athlete that I think outlifted the other girls in a deadlift by like 200 pounds. It was insane. Wow. The difference. Yeah, because yeah. they had, they, they did have one where the trans athlete um, entered the competition and then like thought that, that they were going to get kicked out because it's like, it's a man with a beard. Right. wearing a dress saying right. like hey i'm gonna compete as a woman and like because everybody's afraid to say anything nobody even yeah. says anything yeah like man. nobody's even like you can't compete in this like nobody they just, wants to get labeled exactly so they just let it go on which is even crazier right it is is this where you did you bring that up russell oh uh, so there's a 40 year old woman compete or andres 40 competed in a females mastered unequipped category and set a canadian women's record and unofficial women's world record by lifting 210 kg more than a second place finisher. now that's 210 kg which means that's, that's like about 440 400... pounds yeah. 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 yeah yeah that's insane dude that's insane wow oh so wait, and i saw the was, um... the other the two women on the podium were happy for the for the can athlete see, i mean they were, the podium? Which... is there a podium of that is there an image yeah i saw that today she yeah. was the yeah. the girls no, were had, yeah i was well, like wow the, the, well the the, the winner kind of grab them yeah, in i think they couldn't get away if they tried <laughs> oh wait here so here's the, is that the podium right there who is the frankie you you would know her name the the girl swimmer who's really become a voice yeah leah thomas right leah no, thomas no that's the, the that's the transgender <laughs> that that won but the person that actually leah Speaking tied, out is uh, riley Gaines, right riley, riley Gaines. Yeah. she's become a right really now. outspoken person for you know women's sports and she was and really just, funny on um she was on bill maher's podcast uh, yeah. Oh, Bill very, Moore, really? Yeah, she's just very, very direct about it. You she know, is. She uh, pull, pull any punches with it, which I think is... She tied. I didn't realize that. I thought that that uh, Leah had beat her Riley Gaines, but she didn't. They tied. Wait, they tied? And they, and they said, no, no, for photo ops, we have to give it to Leah. Wow, they tied. Yeah, so yeah. she's a beast then. Yeah. That's crazy. And so this is it right know. here. This is the guy winning? The girl? Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Watch it. And this, this is who cried about it when that guy did make point wait this person was crying about it when remember a few months ago when that guy oh, came that was in a, yeah, a while back yes. oh yeah this is who he took the records from okay and this person was crying about how unfair it was for some guy to just disingenuously come in and just smash all their records <laughs> is that crazy or what yeah it's i mean it's wild i mean i don't know I don't know where this is all going to end up, but you know, they just banned the women from uh, swimming now. Like they came back and they, they said like, Hey, that's not legal now. So I don't know what's going to happen as far as but the Olympics go. I just remember like a... the, the last Olympics, that girl went out to do the weightlifting and she completely bombed out like the transgender girl. And I don't know if she bombed out on purpose 
or if she bombed out, like, you know, like, I don't know. Because she didn't I think get that any It, it has to swing. I mean, everybody, including myself, probably would say it's absurd now, but it has to swing to the point of complete, total lunacy before people are going to see it. Like, right now, it's generally speaking bad male athletes that can't place that are yes. transitioning over so they're the number one seed, right? Mm-hmm. I think you gotta take I think you gotta take like real deal male athletes that are at the top of their field, like a LeBron James or something. With, yeah, LeBron James. And just to, to, when, once a bunch of actual real true male athletes do that, then everybody's gonna be no, like but, but I mean, the guy Leah the the woman Leah Thomas doesn't like she he bangs chicks. You know what I mean? And yeah. he's got a yeah, he's yeah, got yeah. a no, dick. You see what I'm saying? People now are saying, "Oh, it's totally reasonable." Well, because and he's not. He's like his because he's, he's number three hundred. Because he's a poor you, male yeah, swimmer. Yeah, yeah, I got you. But he's yeah. a he's the best right. female swimmer. I understand. When top notch male athletes like when a LeBron Phelps James, for example, or Michael woman. Phelps, you know, when yeah, they Michael when Phelps, they when right, they jump right, over yeah. just to make a mockery of this to prove a point, people are going to be like, you know, that that's crazy. That's can't it. can't do that. It's not it's not crazy. You just have bad male athletes jumping over now, so it's not as noticeable. Right. I don't know if you guys know about this, but this is really interesting. So there are girls that are that were in the Olympics that their testosterone levels are too high, so they're not allowed to run in certain races. And their testosterone level is naturally too high because they have like internal testes. So some of these people are born what they call intersex. So they have like male and female parts, but sometimes it's not very obvious. Sometimes like the testicles are like inside of them and they're still wow. producing testosterone and their testosterone levels will be like six, 700. Right. But it's a but it's a female. It's born mm-hmm. like born a biological female. So they they ban these women from competing, which is really weird because like I don't know where they should be, but like right. I don't that's think they should be banned. One. I mean like that's a yeah. tough one. Yeah, that that's, that's understandably a tough call. But I isn't that like point zero one percent of the population yeah, or something it's like that? Be a very small yeah. number, but but it's there's still like three or four people because um I guess because they're such good athletes, right? As being somebody who has that much right, testosterone right. as a woman. Yeah, they're going to probably be they're type really a good dominant athletes. people. Yeah, and I wonder, like, with that, like, who knows, like, with that, with, like, fighting or something. Like, if somebody had mm. was intersexed and fighting, that might be a different thing altogether, too. I've never seen a few. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Fallon, Fallon Fox? It, well, she was it, a... She isn't was there a, somebody going to fight MMA against a, a woman? A woman and a man going to fight or something? Or maybe it's kickboxing? Boxing. I think I, Boxing. boxing. It's boxing. It's um, oh yeah, uh, Clarissa, Sh- Clarissa, Clarissa Shields. Clarissa right? Shields. That's who it is. Yeah. She. she yeah. Boxing, which. And who's gonna fight? Who's she gonna fight? Some legend. Some champion. Older. Really. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Uh, he's gonna uh, go it, easy on her. He's not. In boxing. Go. In boxing. In boxing. Yeah. yeah. See who's. See. Who, let's look it up here. Clarissa. So Shields. it's gonna be a high level male boxer going against Clarissa. Clarissa I think. I, Clarissa I think Shields. it is. Wow. She I think it's signed Clarissa. back with PFL too. Dude, MMA. Let's see here. Put verse. See who's gonna fight. Um, yeah, I don't know. We're trying to look it up here. It's Clarissa Shields versus male boxer. Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, I think she's fought men before, right? I'll give it to her. She's, she's doing the MMA. She's doing the boxing. Yeah. No, she's talented, but yeah. fought in like exhibition stuff or in like in like practice or actual competition. Oh, Keith uh, Thurman says that's who the guy oh, is. Oh, Keith Thurman, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, Keith Thurman, he's good, man. He he's the guy. I think he only has a loss to Pacquiao. That Keith is crazy Thurman. too, because like if Wait, I mean, so he's a little guy. I mean, he's he's probably smaller than her. I think she probably fights. 
What was she fights like fifty five? I think one fifty five or ish. Do you think he's probably about one forty? He just called so you a little guy. So what if you what? Let's yeah. say you give her a twenty twenty five pound weight advantage. Do you think that evens it at all? No, no, I no. agree. Mm. I agree. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Yeah, it's just different. It's just different. Unfortunately, it's just you know. Yep. Fast twitch, like all that stuff, just different men yeah. and women. And you know, you could you could play basketball against them but fighting them is a different ball game yeah it's wild huh? yeah that's Bone why that, that one that greater. one fighter Fallon Fox like broke like two women's skulls orbitals yeah yeah, yeah like broke their orbital bone or something yeah. like but that then, but then but then again back to the point about it's usually a bad male athlete got beat by a woman eventually right that same one that same one Jermaine Duranamy yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Got, mm-hmm. got actually got beat by a oh, woman oh yeah yeah I saw yeah. him yeah, yeah. You guys got any more questions for me? Well, you were talking about um, Kratom earlier, which uh, Mickey yeah. Gall was on here, and I was talking to Mickey. Oh, cool. I get anxiety from time to Mickey Gall, he's another fighter. He's got a podcast himself. Yeah, I but yep. Good dude. Um, and I was talking about just getting anxiety in certain different you know, uh, areas of my life, and he said, you really should try Kratom. So he gave me some, and I, I took it for a while, and I did notice a difference. I wouldn't say a massive significant, significant difference, but I thought – the kratom was for anxiety. I didn't realize it was an opioid blocker. You know what I mean? So yeah, well, it um, actually you actually is. have a documentary about it, right? It's called uh, yeah. Leaf of a, Faith. A Leaf of I, Faith. Yeah, I want to watch that. Yeah. Yeah. So so like, um, what's interesting? So kratom for me seemed to be the key that fit into the slot. You know, like you like I have I've had chronic pain my whole life, and I'll go like I'll go for a walk, and then my like I'll just be achy afterwards. Everything aches and hurts, and like just feels like shit. So then I'll take some Kratom. All of a sudden that goes away. I feel good and I can go, go again, you know? So for me, it just seemed to be like the right thing, the right, the right key for the right lock. And, and it just really seemed to work for me to get me, you know, back in the gym and moving around again. A lot of people really like it because it helps with, um, it helps with a lot of things. So it helps a lot with focus. So a lot of people, it's crazy. Cause when I first heard about it, I just thought it was complete bullshit because it basically works for so many different things that it sounds like it's fake. So a lot of people like it for anxiety. A lot of people like it for depression. A lot of people like it because they have PTSD. A lot of people like it because they have chronic pain, you know, so it sort of works for all of those things pretty well, you know, and it works now, a little bit differently at different doses. If you take like a hmm. small amount, it's like a little stimulant. If you, and if you take a large amount, it's more like a, um, like a downer. You know, so mm-hmm. it just kind of depends on like, you know, how much you take of it and how much you use. And I think like certain people, it works great and other people don't like the way it feels. And I say like, hey, if you don't like the way it feels, then don't take it. You know, these all right. are all everything that I talk about from a carnivore diet to Kratom to to anything is just a tool. Like these are all like little tools. I like to say that we have in our in our like tool belt, our utility belt, and you can take it out and use it at any time. So like, hey, one day you're feeling a little bit down, take some Kratom, you know? Like it doesn't mean you have to do this every day, you know? You do these things like once in a while. If um, say all of a sudden you get some sort of weird inflammation in your body, do a carnivore diet for three days, see what happens. Watch it just all go away. It's crazy. Like, so I I use all these little things as like interventions in my life where I kind of cycle them on and off whenever I need things. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. It's great to have all that little bit of knowledge. I mean- Luckily, uh, you know, being a, a fighter and listening to Rogan's podcast and finding guys like you, I guess uh, I know a little bit, a little bit about about a lot, I guess. Well, yeah, like I kind of learned it like you did, though. Like I was just a um, I was a power lifter, you know, 
And um, I was just interested in these things because I was doing them. I was always trying to get better. You know, mm -hmm. how do I get stronger? How do I get bigger? How do I, blah, blah. And what's interesting is like my actual journey was without steroids. You know, I was a power lifter up until the time I was like 24, 25, I was competing quite often. And, um, but I never took steroids when I did powerlifting because I thought it was cheating, which is mm. really funny now that I look back on it. <laughs> I always thought it was cheating. And I thought like, oh, I shouldn't do that. And then, you know, my brother was like, fuck it, I'll do it. <laughs> and, wow. um, you know, he, he ended up squatting a thousand pounds and he ended up uh, bench pressing 854 pounds. So it's kind of crazy, wow. but that's because wow. that's what he was focused on. That's what he wanted to do. You know, and he just sort of like, sort of went for it, you know? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, where did, where did the drive come from? I mean, all of you guys in your family are all, you know, you're you know, extremely motivated. You're driven, all yeah. driven. You're all athletes. You all seek a goal and try to achieve it. Where where does that come from? I mean, it's everybody in your family, you know? My parents my parents were kind of like nerds, you know? My parents were high school sweethearts. And um, they just always let us do whatever we wanted to do for some reason. Like, they were always cool. They always like, hey, just do whatever you want to do. Be yourself, whatever. They never, like, tried to force us into doing anything or playing in any sports or doing anything. But my older brother, Mad Dog, who passed away, he was a maniac. And he just was like into everything. He was into like Metallica before anybody else. He was into cool cars before anyone else. Like he just, he was always like the cool guy in school and he was always like the biggest kid, but he was the fat kid. So he's got made fun of for being fat. So then he beat all those kids up and then he became like the toughest kid in the school, you know? And he was just always the coolest guy. And so from following around my brother, my brother always knew everybody at school. He was cool. And I'm like, I want to be cool like my brother. So I start like trying to hang out with my brother and trying to be cool. But I was never cool. I was the short kid. And then my younger brother, he was kind of a dork too. And he was he was like four years younger than me. So my older brother didn't want to hang out with me or him. So me and my younger brother, Mark, we ended up hanging out every single day together. My younger brother was like 16, 15 or 16. Actually, even when he was like 13, 14, I used to bring him to the gym every day. So we basically, I had my license at the time. I would drive me and him to the gym. And we were we just became best friends. And um, when it came time for me to go to college, my dad said, like, hey, you have a choice. You can either get a job working for like the town or the city. And I lived in the city of Poughkeepsie in upstate New York, which nothing goes on there. Oh, so no, no, said, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, where yeah. Snooky's from, brother. Yeah. You ever party yeah, with yeah. Snooky? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, I love that's the only other person I've ever heard of being from Poughkeepsie. Is she from Poughkeepsie for real? She's from Poughkeepsie. I thought she was from Marlboro or something, no? No, Poughkeepsie. Because I've heard Poughkeepsie, yep. but I also, okay. So Marlboro is right next to it, actually. But yeah. anyway, regardless. Um, yeah, so uh, where was I? What was I talking about? Where Sorry, was I cut you off. You were talking about yeah, growing yeah, up. Yeah, your, your brother. brother became yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my father gave me an ultimatum. He said either, you know, you can... Uh, go to, you know, go to a community college or you can get a job working for like the town or the city. And that scared the shit out of me. And I'm like, I'll just go to community college. And so I went there and I took I took film classes because it was it seemed easy. You know, oh, communications seems like there's a lot of girls in the class. Like, I'll just take that. That <laughs> looks cool. And so I took this communications class and friends of mine were were they were in a they were a rap group. They would tour down in like New York City and whatever. And I said, like, hey, why don't we shoot like a music video or something just messing around? So we shot a music video and it came out really good. And um, my professor at school saw it and he said, hey, you should enter this into this national video competition. So I entered this stupid music video that I made in my spare time into this contest and it won a national award that was judged yeah. by Francis Ford Coppola and Kathleen Kennedy, who's like Spielberg's uh, producer. Wow. And they flew me out to LA and they like sat me down like, what are you gonna do with your life? You should go to film school. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I'm just a fucking kid. I was like 20 years old. I'm like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. They're like, oh, you should try to go to USC. And I'm, 
Like, isn't USC a really good film school? And they said, yeah, you should try to go there. You're really talented. I'm like, okay, well, let me try to apply to go to USC. So I applied to go to USC and everybody, once I applied, they said, you'll never get in there. They don't let anybody in there. Like you, they, they let in 40 kids a semester and they get over 2000 applicants a semester. Well, wow. somehow I got right in, wow. like got right in, no problem. Ended up going to USC film school. You know, um, I remember, you know, uh, I was there for like a year and then came back that next year, called my brother and said like, hey, you got to move out here with me. Like, you'll love it out here. My brother just moved out and then the rest is history. We're, you know, been out here ever since. Yeah. And your, uh, your, your younger brother, who was the yeah. power lifter, right? That set the records. Yeah. Yeah. Mark. So, and so Mark ended up, Mark has a really weird life. He's like the jerk, like the movie, The Jerk with um, Steve Martin. So Steve Martin invented in The Jerk, he invented this thing that like holds your glasses up and he made millions of dollars. My brother invented a rubber band that helps you bench press more weight without getting hurt called a slingshot. And yeah. he made millions of Wait, dollars. Wait, that's your it. brother? Yeah. No yeah. way. And that's like so funny because it's like, he, he's a meathead. He made something that makes you bench more. And then like, that's his, <laughs> that's his life. You know, that's I his had no idea right that was him. Wow. Yeah. You know, well, the, everybody, um, do you know what everybody I know is like, that. so, you know, you know, the booty bands that all the girls wear. Yeah. The, the um, the booty bands with the, like, they're the, um, the cloth. Like, yeah. Hell yeah. Use them in so, yoga. Yeah. Mark invented that. He was the first wow. person to ever invent that. that. It was called the slingshot hip circle, but he couldn't patent it because, um, there's something about it like the design was like too simple but he was the first one to ever make that and then all the influencers that make them and sell them they all copied from him damn wow but he was like the first to market with it so he did really well with it you know he sort of crushed it and so now he's got you know we have a big gym here in sacramento the gym is open to the public it's free um it's not free, open all wow. the time but it's open four days four days a week for four hours at a pop and we just let people come in here and train and hang out and uh, we do our podcast from here and I'm still trying to make you know, like I'm making another film. My brother's working on uh, some more products. He has like protein powders now and all sorts of stuff under his brand. And so we're just kind of cranking, you know, just trying to make shit happen. Well, speaking of that, speaking of protein powder, because you brought it up in bigger, uh, stronger, faster, um, you actually, uh, you, you got some Mexican dudes, right? That you got at oh, Home yeah. Depot or yeah, whatever. Cool. And Change you stuff. you you got it because it's so simple, right? Because basically I you can call, summer. yeah, you can call your ingredients yeah. proprietary blend for the most part, correct? And that just really lets you put, I think it's like cornstarch and different well, things can, in there that are basically fillers and do nothing for you, correct? And that's, yes. you, so you, you kind of explained how simple yeah. it is to own a, I'm not saying that, that Mark's is like that, of course, but I'm saying it's pretty simple, right? Yeah, well, you know what, to be honest, they're all kind of like that, right? So like... When, when you make a supplement, I think like what a lot of people don't know, like if I want to make a supplement, I go to what's called a co-packer. They make shit for everybody. So like the mm -hmm. same guy making Frankie Edgar's protein is making mm -hmm. Jose Aldo's protein. Right? Like <laughs> it's, it's at the same factory from the same yeah. guy. And, it, and so like it, it's all a matter of like what you tell me to put in it versus what he tells me to put in it. And mm -hmm. they just put in the ingredients and they, they make the shit and, and put it out. And like everybody – like there's there's very – there's just not a whole lot of companies that make a lot of this stuff. So like – what you do is you write proprietary blend, then you don't have to tell people exactly what's in your blend and they, can, they can't really recreate it. You know, and that's sort of the whole idea is like, people like to keep their formulas See under wrap. Yeah. But again, I think it's all kind of stupid anyway, because like all these co-packers make things for everybody anyway. So it's, when you know the business, it's a little, a little different, I think. You look at it a little differently. It's like looking behind the curtain. Well, when somebody's like, hey, man, I have this unique blend of blah, 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 blah. You're like, not really, because it all yeah. comes from the same places. <laughs> Got to buy that kosher brand. They can't mix anything together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. 
Well, Chris, when 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 do you plan to have the uh, the next documentary out? So the next documentary will probably be out. It probably won't be for a while, like probably at least a year. I just started shooting some stuff for it, and I just like to, you know, I'm not in a rush to do anything. I just want to do something that's really cool. How, um, how does it come together for you? Do, you? do you like do you write out exactly how you're gonna do it? Who you're gonna interview? This and that, or you yeah, kind of just let it let it come? Kind of. Uh, it's a little bit different now. So right now, because everybody's kind of all over the place, like I'm working with some people are in Sacramento, some people are in Florida, some people are in Oregon, like, right. So we're working with all these different people that are really talented, like sort of all over the country. And the best way to do that is just kind of like taking off, biting off little chunks at a time, like working on like a little piece here, a little piece there with this guy, that guy, whatever. So I have a bunch of people doing a bunch of different things, some different editors in different places that have different footage. And um, we just start, slapping things together and start talking about it. And it's just sort of like, that's kind of how it works. And then if we were in the same office in the same city, we'd just be doing the same thing, but sort of like huddled together. So mm. it, it's interesting because um, I do work a lot better in a group with people around when I'm actually interacting with real people. Right. But um, if it has to be done this way, it's like pretty efficient and cheap. Cause I don't have to, you know, like my editors actually right where you guys are in New Jersey. So oh, my wow. editors out there, it's like, um, you know, I could fly out there or I could just sit here on Zoom with them and talk to them, you know? Yeah, yeah. So technology kinda, definitely kinda goes like that right now. Makes a lot of things a lot, a lot, uh, a lot more. Making doable. films is kind of lonely, man. It's like a lonely, hard job. You know, it's like nobody else is thinking. I've been thinking about this all already for like over a year. It's been on my mind every day. I'm like, how am I going to start the movie? Where am I going to put this part? Where am I going to put that? Part? So anybody that thinks like when I went to. Uh, Sundance Film Festival. That was like the ultimate thing in my life. Like that was the coolest thing. That's like being like winning the uh, UFC championship for me, yeah. right? Like my movie at fucking Sundance. This is so cool. And it, but people don't realize like how hard it is to get there. You know, yeah. I just don't. I don't think people realize like how much of things I put on the line uh, in order to get there. And then uh, when you get there, all you want to do is get back there again. You know, just like yeah. the championship. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just want to get back there again. All about it. All yeah. about it. Yeah. You, you, did you have any idea the success that Bigger, Stronger, Faster would have? I mean, was that a total surprise to you? Because obviously that was... It's know. weird because when I was making it, I'm like, I don't think anybody's going to watch. I don't know what's going... You know, nobody's going to care about my family. I don't think people are going to watch this. And then we started doing some screenings around town in like Hollywood and stuff. And people were like, dude, this is amazing. You know, and I'm like, really? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. And then like, you should cut it down a little bit though, right? And so I got to a point where I had a movie that was two hours and 30 minutes long. And I brought all my friends together. Like I had like 50 people come to this place in Santa Monica, sit down and watch the movie. And everybody's like telling me it's perfect. I'm like, it's two and a half hours though. Like you can't have a documentary. It's two and a half hours. It's like way too fucking long. And, um, and then just one guy, like one guy that we knew who was a, he was a judge for the Toronto Film Festival. He watched the movie and he actually said, he said to us, he said, if you cut it down to a minute, if you cut it down to an hour and 45 minutes or less, it'll get right into Sundance. Wow. And that that's when I knew it was going to be a winner. Like when the guy told me yeah. it, it would get right into Sundance, if I fix, if I just cut it down, then I said, okay, like let's, let's just cut it down and figure it out. And then we spent, you know, three months working 80 hours a week trying to cut that shit down <laughs> you know? wow. it was pretty it's pretty brutal man when it gets down towards the end like making the movie the whole time was kind of fun and then when it gets down to the end and you're working like 80 hours a week on a movie it's like it's just you're, you're just watching the same shit over and over and over and over and getting so sick of it that like by the time you see the movie in the theater you hate it yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. but then you know then you come around to it after a while you're like you get used to watching it 
But yeah, I've seen Bigger, Stronger, Faster probably 500 times yeah, at least. Yeah. You know? So after yeah. Bigger, Stronger, Faster, obviously, which had incredible success, you went on to produce Prescription Thugs, correct? That was your next? Yeah, well, so it's interesting, man. I had a weird, like, a weird and troublesome life for a little while. So what happened was I made Bigger, Stronger, Faster, and um, that came out. It did really well, but I had my hips replaced, like, right after that. And then I was trying to, like, raise money and make another movie, and I just I just was having trouble making things happen because, like, I had just come off my hip surgery. I wasn't feeling too good. I was started to get addicted to pills. You know, I just wasn't doing that much. So I was trying to make this other movie called Trophy Kids. And Trophy Kids, it's actually on HBO Max. You can watch it today if you want to. Trophy Kids is about obsessive sports parents that, like, yeah. abuse their kids. Mm -hmm. And so I actually made that movie with uh, Peter Berg. And um he saw like what happened was he worked out at gold's gym where i worked out he saw bigger stronger faster he loved it he said hey we should do something together so i came in one day and i brought him some footage i go hey watch these parents they're fucking crazy so he watches this thing i sent it to him on his phone he watches this thing he goes dude this is incredible i want to make this movie with you i'm like really like he said it to me in the gym like uh, he must be fucking around he's like no meet me at my office later today Okay, cool. Go meet Peter Berg at his office. Boom. He's like, hey, we're making this movie. Let's go. Wow. So he made this short movie called, well, it's not short. It was like, it was about a 45 minute, it's a shorter film. It's like 45 minutes. It was about obsessive sports parents, like I said, that abuse their kids when they're trying to play sports, baseball, um, football, basketball, you know, tennis. And um, and so that was like the, the second movie. But when I made that movie, to be honest, I was like, I was really messed up on on uh, drugs and alcohol at that time. Mm -hmm. And I barely finished that movie. Almost, Peter Berg almost fired me from it. You know, Peter Berg was the first person that ever actually came up to me and told me, he said like, hey man, I don't know what your problem is, but you have some sort of drug problem or alcohol problem. I don't know what's wrong, but like, what's going on? You know, and he was just trying to be cool to me. Right. He was like trying to tell me as a friend, like as a friend, man, like you don't look good. You know, he was the only person out of all my friends, the yeah. only person ever said anything. And I, I yeah. really, really, admire him and thank him for that because i think that's awesome i, I yeah. wish more you know i'm like why didn't anybody else tell me and uh, you know the only reason my younger brother probably didn't tell me is because he wasn't around me but he would have told me too you know yeah, yeah right, but you need right. that person and i i always like tell people if you see your friend fucking up tell them you have yeah. to tell them it's your responsibility Someone, to someone's got to hold them accountable exactly yeah and so so after i got through with that i started making this movie called prescription thugs which was about the opioid epidemic and I had just gotten off of opioids and being able to sort of conquer that. But what I didn't realize is that like being sober is more than just being off of opioids. Uh, I was drinking every night. Um, I was taking other pills like Xanax and other things. Mm. And so I went right back down the same rabbit hole of like alcohol and benzodiazepines. And then every once in a while, opioids as well. And it just got to a point where I needed to get sober. So about halfway through making the movie Prescription Thugs, I basically relapsed on drugs and alcohol. Uh, ended up having to go to rehab and I did 90 days in rehab. And to me, it was the best thing I ever did. You know, it was a, just simple. It's like, I felt like I was in trouble. And I think when you feel like you're in trouble, you feel like you can, you feel like uh, I got to fix this. You know, I got to make yeah. this okay for my family. I got to make this okay for my, my friends. And I just knew everybody knew that I fucked up, you know, and I felt terrible about it. But as I saw and saw more people, what I realized is like, nobody else felt terrible about it. They felt terrible for me. Yeah, they didn't man. feel terrible about what happened yeah, to me, right. it felt terrible for me. Like, hey man, you can, you know, and so just realizing that like people cared and seeing a lot of people like put out a lot of love towards me, it, it just made me, I think, able to come back from it. You know, cause I think yeah. most people don't come out of this. 
Right. Most people never come out of addiction. My brother died at 37 years old. You know, my older brother died in a sober living facility by himself at 37 years old because he couldn't stop huffing uh, fucking dust off. You know, he was like uh -huh. huffing dust off from a, from a can is what they think killed him. And like, Jeez. that's a real addict. You know, that's somebody who's like, I got to get my fix and I got to get it now. Mm -hmm. And it killed him. And it's really crazy to think that something that simple could kill somebody so big and so strong mm -hmm. at such a young age. And every time I think about it, I just turned 50. And every time I think that my brother died at 37 years old, that is so young yeah. and that is so sad. And I don't want to see that happen to anyone. So right. I try to devote my life to helping other people get out of this shit. Yeah. 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 I think everybody has a story they can relate to. I certainly do. My, my best friend, Bobby, uh, in 2007, big muscle head dude, like best, you know, big teddy bear, but you know, love the gym. Got me into the gym. First time I ever went to the gym was him, was with him. And, uh, wouldn't even drink. He was a health nut, you know, when I met yeah. him. He wouldn't even he would go out, but he wouldn't drink. Definitely no drugs, nothing. And then his brother passed away and uh he started taking painkillers and uh about roughly a year later he took a he he got his brother's nickname tattooed across his back at his house and he took a painkiller before and after and he never woke up. And that was really? in two thousand and seven. There's a guy that and he never just touched drugs his whole life. Yep. He took the painkiller because of the pain of the tattoo, or he just took it for it, for honor. such a big tough guy. He didn't like pain. He didn't like yeah. tattoos, so he took one before. And then his girlfriend, I remember talking to her, said, "You know, he was going to go to bed." And he said, "You know, I'm just taking going to take another one." Wow. She went to bed with him. At some point in the middle of the night, she got up and left and went home. And she said he was fine. And then yeah. his cousin came in in the morning to wake him you know, up, and he was gone. I think the really interesting thing um, that people should know when we're talking about stuff like this is that like Kratom, for example, the, the reason why opioids kill people is because what happened to your friend is he, he got um, slows your breathing down. Depression. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's called respiratory depression. Yep. And it's it's from um, a substance called beta arrestin and beta arrestin is is found in opioids. These opioids produce make your body produce it. But if you um take kratom kratom does not make your body produce beta arrestin it doesn't stop your breathing it doesn't interrupt your breathing at all and people can take kratom with no problems that they have with the other opioids and so i always like to make that very clear to people is like mm. that is not one of the things you have to worry about with kratom for sure and so like that's why i think it's safe and that's why i think it's pretty effective for most people i also tell people if you don't have any pain and you don't need anything don't take anything but Correct. if you have a lot of pain and you think you need something maybe try kratom you know yeah yeah Good advice. As opposed to the alternative, I yeah, feel like the alternative's the, killing people. Yeah. yeah, well, I feel like that until you said like, do we, or does America have a pain problem? I think it's it's more of a mental health problem. I think most yeah. people that I know that do drugs, like say maybe it was an injury like yourself that gets them on them, but usually what keeps them on them is something in our head. You know, I think part yeah. of that too is that you know we're we're one of only I think three countries in the world that are allowed to advertise. Two, us and New Zealand. Is it two? Yeah. Two. Yeah. They're allowed to advertise, have commercials for. I prescription know Frankie drugs. listens to Rogan. Rogan says that all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, if, and if you're watching it, right, I mean, there's a commercial on every five minutes, and they're describing Dude, it's some symptom that you have, you know I what I mean? I like think it's 80% um, of the commercials for uh, CNN and Fox are prescription yeah. drug commercials. So it's like, well, that makes sense. of course we buy a lot of drugs, like, right. you know, mm. why wouldn't That's we? why these people well, are just spewing it. Let me ask you about that. I mean, you essentially took on this massive, you know, trillion-dollar industry with prescription thugs, and uh, did you receive any, I mean, I don't want to say death threats, but did you receive any backlash from the industry for doing that and kind of exposing them in a way? 
it's interesting because I like in the very beginning, I did have a couple of like weird things happen, you know, brakes um, failed on your car. <laughs> yeah. Nothing, nothing like that serious. I think what happens is like what these, these companies are smart and they know the best thing to do when something like this comes out is not say anything. And so right now, like this movie painkillers out on Netflix and it's doing a lot of damage and it's like people are really talking about it's getting excited. So the drug companies aren't saying nothing right now. They're just laying low, hoping that this movie will blow over. Every movie has like a one or two week window where it gets popular, you know. And so I think they're hoping it doesn't catch much wind and it just goes away. I think that's what they're doing the Bud Light move. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, you kind of like hope it goes away. Like, and then like, look what happened with Bud Light, though. It yeah. didn't go away, you know. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. which is insane to me. Like, I, to me, I don't know. I, I like, I personally would never get mad. I think it's stupid what they did, but I would never like not drink something because of that. Like, right. wouldn't bother right. me at all. But it is crazy how far it's gone. It's cost them like thirty billion dollars or something crazy. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, it's insane. I insane. mean, it's kind of a dumb argument, but it's like, I, you know, who cares? <laughs> Yeah, this world is a little little funny lately with, with all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, it's weird. I, I don't know why people I, – I, I can understand why people will get, like, mad and triggered. Like, hey, you don't need to do that. Like, there's – you know. But at the same time, it seems a little bit – it seems a little bit overkill. You know? Like, people are going so nuts about it that you're like, uh, hey, man. I, I think, too, it's just people are just fed up. Like, Yeah. Like I they, think they're they, fed they, up with everything, right? And yeah, fed up. Like, all right, man, read the room a little bit here. You know? Yeah. We're, we're, we're done with this shit. Stop throwing yeah. this in our Cancel face. culture is kind of backfiring yeah. lately. I mean, they tried to cancel, like, Jason Aldean. They made his song number one. Who's this guy? Uh, all, Oliver all, all, Oliver Anderson or whatever his yeah. name is. This came out that. Richmond, North of Richmond. North of Richmond. Basically talking about politicians in D.C. I mean, he's... He's blowing up now, you know. That's great because I well, saw that guy. That guy's got the best line. Like, Would he say something about being five foot three and three hundred pounds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I love yeah. that line. Yeah, it's like, if you're five he, foot three and three hundred pounds, or something. Yeah. he's calling it like it is. Yeah. I, yeah. I like that. We need more of that. Exactly. More of that. But I mean, you know, he's I he's absolutely so, blowing up. You know, I think that's what's so cool about our society today, too. Though, is that there there used to be so many gatekeepers, right? And now there's still gatekeepers, but there's also that that like home run shot that this guy just got right like he just hit a home run with that song yeah he's fucking killing he's it. very it made well, he's very relatable to most people he's just yeah, some right dude now, you know? like Especially but he's just right some now. dude that like yesterday was playing in his basement or something right right, right and it's like right. because we live in america and because america is awesome these things can happen and so i like <laughs> and i think joe rogan talked about him on his podcast that's what yeah. it is <laughs> and i like I oh like did he i'm sure that happened happen. you know i like to see when things happen like that for somebody because like 100 percent you know, all we hear is like all the negative shit all day. You know, and yeah. it's like let's be positive. Let's like try to help people. You know, right? Yeah, one for the good guys. I'm, I'm done. Yeah, with that. amen, amen. You know, I always look. I always look for like how do we help the future? How do we help the kids? And to me, you know, my brother and I have had this motto: make the world a better place to lift. And we've had that since mm-hmm. we were like younger. We just say like, we got to get these young kids into like working out, training, eating mm-hmm. good, diet. You know, mm-hmm. just all the stuff that we know about nutrition. There's no reason why all the kids shouldn't know this. Yeah, like, at I the know. very least, a sport to give yeah. them some focus. And I mean, you're going to get exercise, and basically, any, unless you're playing badminton, you're getting you're getting yeah, exercise. You Absolutely, but all like yeah, all the little kids in our family. You know, my brother's kind of a maniac with his fitness, and he we have a bunch of younger kids in our family. Um, you know, from ages like ten to you know nineteen. And um, all those kids know all about lifting, all about eating good. They know everything that they need to know. If you yeah. like sat and talked to them, you know, a 12 year old about nutrition, my 12 year old nephew could tell you 
what the deal is, you know, and you're like, right. oh, that's pretty right. interesting. But it's that's just because rare. we've taught them that way yeah. since they were little kids, because I think that's what the future is. Like yep. when yeah. I was young, I ate all the shit. I ate like 30 pebbles every day, you know, and I ended up being a big fat kid. And mm. I hated it. And I, I still hate the body fat that I have on my body now from when I was a little kid. Didn't it, speaking so, of that, Fruity Pebbles, didn't the government just put some cereal that's absolute garbage on, on, on the list? Charms. Of, Lucky Charms, right? Lucky yeah. Charms so, is like ab above uh, steak, right? Yeah, yeah. Above steak. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. But I ate all that uh, stuff growing up. And now it's like, you know, now when I look at it, it's like, I don't not want my nephew and, you know, relatives to like not have that stuff, but I want them to have it once in a while and enjoy Correct. it once in a while yeah. Yeah. and not be yeah. a fat pig like I was, you know, because like. Right. It, Everything it, in moderation is what I say. Yeah. Even moderation. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Even moderation. That's right. <laughs> Chris, man, thank you for uh, coming on, dude. This was awesome. Get to pick up. Awesome. I really look forward to, to seeing the uh, the next documentary. If you're ever visiting your editor in, editor in Jersey, definitely look us up. Absolutely. I was just talking about that today. So if I do, I'll come by there and we'll podcast again in person. We yeah, love that. We great. love that, man. Great. Big yeah. fan. Got a couple. I didn't realize you actually have like six documentaries out. So I got a couple more to watch. Well, I have, uh, so, you know, it's interesting. I have um, A Leaf of Faith, and then I have yep. another inner, uh, another documentary, um, but you have to look for it on YouTube. It's called Ibogaines, so it's mm. Gaines, like G-A-I-N-Z. Mm. If you look that up, you'll find it, but if you don't look it up, it won't give it to you because it's like shadow ban. But Ibogaines is about Ibogaine, and mm -hmm. it's like a 15-minute short film that I made that's pretty fucking cool about that drug. I think it's just really interesting. So that's only it, black available black market, right? Yeah. Well, I, yeah, ibogaine. Well, yeah. No, so ibogaine. Here's what's cool about it. I started out talking to people about ibogaine, and like the only way I could help people get it was illegal, right? Like, mm. there's there's a website, iboga world. You can go buy it from there if you want to, but that's illegal. So I said, <laughs> well, let me find a clinic that I can like talk to to and see if I can like work out some sort of deal. So I met this guy named Thomas Fiegel. He owns a place called Beyond. It's B-E-O-N-D. So beyond.us, that's their Instagram, that's their page. Beyond is a ibogaine clinic that's down in Cancun. And it's the mm. best, um, most affordable one that I found for probably about like ten to twelve thousand dollars. You can go down there and do an ibogaine treatment. You know, mm. actually it's like eighty five hundred to like twelve thousand, just depending on mm. how long you need to be there or whatever. Which is actually like really good because rehab itself is going to cost you thirty grand a month, like right. depending on where you go, right? It's going to yeah. it's going to be anywhere from ten to thirty grand a month. So, wow. the fact that you can go down there for a couple of days and get what you need out of it and get back here and be fine to me, like mm -hmm. that's that's kind of incredible. So I found this, uh, like I said, I found this clinic beyond to work with. So now I now I would only recommend people going to the clinic because can, what can happen with ibogaine. That's really serious. And like, I didn't know this at the time when I did it illegally, but if you take Ibogaine and then you, you know, you basically go through like your next day and then you take your drug of choice again, like say I took an opioid after I did Ibogaine, I might die from that mm. because now whatever I take is like 10 times stronger. Oh, like wow. once you do Ibogaine, it resets all the receptors in your body. Mm. And then it's like, you never had that drug in your body in the first place. And you mm. take a lethal dose. And so that's same with like, marijuana, I mean, same, does it, does it set your marijuana <laughs> level back? You know, I don't know. I, I was trying to figure that out myself and I really couldn't figure it out. Like, cause mm. people say that it works with testosterone levels. And I'm like, if you can oh, reset wow. your testosterone levels, that would be mm. fucking awesome. Like that if you could be reset, reset the idea that it's like low, I, but I don't see, I don't know. I don't know that all that stuff works yet. This drug is so kind of young and right. new to like people really studying it for things like that. Like a lot of people think it would help with food cravings. 
Mm-hmm. And I think it helped with food cravings when I did it. But I mean, I'm what's not the positive. difference between cigarettes and food, right? Tobacco and food is pretty much the same, it, like, it uh, the same, you know, yeah. same mental capture, yeah, so what I guess. It, what you know? Ibogaine does, it's called a dissociative, which makes sense. It helps you disassociate with things. Like, you don't need it, which is really mm-hmm. a cool way of looking at things. Like, when I feel the strongest in life is when I don't need anything. Mm-hmm. I don't feel I need mm-hmm. anybody or anything. And I can just do what I need to do. Like, that's when I feel the most powerful. You know, mm-hmm. I think for most people are like that. Yeah, they say when you're an addict, like you're always an addict, right? And when people relapse, it's usually after they've had well, an extended period of time of not taking whatever their drug of choice is. And, and, how, and they go back to taking that hot load mm, that they took, you know, back when they were doing it every day. And their, and their system can't handle yeah. it and they OD and oftentimes die, you know. It's, and, it's and think sad. about like how you feel weak. Like when you when you do something that you know is wrong, like you're doing a drug, you're drinking alcohol, whatever, you're not supposed to be doing it you know that you're not supposed to be doing it. So you feel guilty about it too. You know? Yeah. I think that's like another thing that's like, sure. You know, we, it's, yeah. It's a vicious cycle. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think this is really going to, uh, relate to a, a lot of people because, you know, certainly this is a major issue in the U S today. So I, I, I think, uh, a lot of people will be able to relate to this interview and take something away from this, and hopefully they'll watch your documentaries if they haven't seen it already. I'm going yeah, to. Hopefully. The ones I haven't watched, I'm, I'm definitely going to. So. Yeah, so I can name them real quick. It's Bigger, Stronger, Faster, uh, Trophy Kids, Prescription Thugs, A Leaf of Faith, and then on YouTube there's Ibogains, which is I-B-O-G-A-I-N-Z, which is about the drug called Ibogaine. Yeah, and I'm, I'm at big strong. I might have to get some Iva gains, bro. You know? <laughs> yeah. I might have to try that out. <laughs> it's uh, at big strong fast on Instagram. If anybody wants to look me up or anybody wants information about anything that I talked about on here, I'd be more than happy to answer questions. Awesome. Where where can they find you on social media? That's what he said. It's just oh, at big strong fast, like bigger, stronger, faster. Okay. At big strong fast. All right. I thought oh. I thought you gave out your email. Okay. Gotcha. Even though Frankie <laughs> said bigger, faster, stronger in the beginning, he got it wrong. Yeah. Got it not surprising. Bigger, bigger, stronger, faster. Well, you know right. why it's bigger, stronger, faster though? Because we had to change it because it was actually bigger, faster, stronger at first. And then somebody tried to sue me. So I just said, I'm just going to change the name to bigger, stronger, faster. Yeah, yeah. I thought I That's read it. That's kind of what happened. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it works now. All right, guys. Chris, cool. thank you, awesome. brother. Yeah, Appreciate awesome, you, brother. Appreciate Great. it. Talk to you soon, guys. Guys, please don't forget to find and follow us on YouTube, Rumble, Instagram, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and most other podcast platforms. Champ and the Tramp.